Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome on board the WKOK live telephone talk show On The Mark. I asked Alexa this morning, am I alive? She said yes, so here we go. Oh, I have some question about that. You're looking a little pale today. <laughs> looking peaked. <laughs> right. All right. Well, good morning, Been everybody. a long weekend. <laughs> Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show, On the Mark. On the Mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. You can check them out at sunburymotors.com. Uh, as this hour progresses, we'll open up the toll-free line, that number, 1-800-795-9565. That's 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com, and you can text us. This is 70236. Early on in the program, we have asked for and received another opportunity to talk to State Senator John Gordner, and he is from the 27th District, a Republican, and he's back on the news line. Thank you, sir, for calling in Majority whip of the State Senate, too. Oh, yes, please. Yes, excellent. Thank you. I keep forgetting that important topic. Good morning, John. Morning, John. Good morning, Mark and Joe. (laughs) We'll stop introducing you in about five minutes, so just stand (laughs) by. Um, Well, first of all, I, I just cannot imagine anything in your uh, office or in your job or with your staff or in the state capitol that is the same today as it was a month ago. Uh, Give our audience some sort of a sense of everything being in flux and in play and uh, everything changing in Harrisburg. Uh, Sure. I've been uh, in the uh, General Assembly since uh, 1993, so about 28 years, and this is nothing that we've gone through, whether it's been uh, floods or storms or uh, Ebola or SARS or anything along those lines. So things have changed dramatically over the last three or four weeks. Uh, we've gone to remote legislative sessions for the first time in the General Assembly's history. We've done uh, one of them so far. We'll be doing another one uh, today and possibly tomorrow. Uh, my staff, who I was trying to keep in the district offices, although we were closing the doors and not allowing uh, visitors there. Uh, With the governor's order late last week, uh, we are now completely remote. Uh, Luckily, we are all planned for that, so everyone has laptops and phone systems, and we're able to access uh, email, uh, uh, voice messages. And, geez, just on Friday, uh, between my district offices in Harrisburg, we handled over 100 different constituent matters. Uh, So... People are reaching out to legislative offices, whether it's mine or Representative Culver or uh, Mosser or any of the other ones, and uh, we're able to respond. Is there any pattern, John, to the kind of calls you're getting related to the COVID virus? Uh, The ones coming into the district offices are largely, uh, they've been related to unemployment compensation. People have been very frustrated uh, in not being able to get files or for the first time in the history uh, of unemployment compensation, self-employed individuals and uh, independent contractors are able to access it. They haven't been able to find the forms. Uh, we've had questions in regard to small businesses wondering 
about what's going on in regard to loan programs and when they might be able to reopen or why this one place is open and the other places is not. Uh, and uh, just general about mass, and some people think we should just get back to work. So it's a variety of things. Pending legislation, what's cooking in the House and the Senate that will help during this crisis? So both the House and Senate are in session at least today, probably tomorrow, again remotely. Uh, I expect about in the Senate seven of us uh, to actually be on the floor. Uh, we'll be social distanced, uh, but the other 43 senators will be back in their districts uh, participating remotely through Zoom. Uh, there's a couple of uh, pieces that are on, and again, we're only dealing with legislation that relates uh, to this uh, pandemic. So one of them deals with uh, municipalities. While we've seen some legal opinions uh, that said municipalities can meet remotely much as we have been, there are some municipalities that still want some extra protection, so we're going to be doing legislation uh, today that will specifically say that municipalities can re uh, meet remotely and put out uh, the reasons or the different things that they need to do to be transparent by putting on their agenda and stuff on websites and making it uh, accessible and available. Uh, car dealerships are not open, and we hope the governor ends up uh, dealing with that, but one of the little challenges is that uh, our state had not adopted an online notary system. So we are going to consider legislation from uh, Senator Mastriano that would allow during this uh, pandemic an emergency order to do uh, online notarization, uh, which would help for that type of thing. Um, again, dealing with municipalities and counties, uh, the federal government has extended their tax deadline. The state has extended their tax lot deadline. Um, well, there's not quote-unquote a tax deadline for municipalities and counties right now. Those folks that uh, take advantage of the discount period will see that go away April 30th. Uh, there are some municipalities and counties that would like to extend that by 30 days, but there's not the authority to do that. So we're going to pass legislation that would allow. It's a may provision. It's not a shall provision, so it's up to the municipality or county if they want to extend uh, the uh, discount period. And there's also some provisions with the uh, EITC program, which funds a lot of our uh, religious and uh, private uh, schools. We did with uh, public schools last time when we were in session. There's some uh, deadlines and timelines that uh, need to be addressed, so we're going to be uh, giving some waivers in regard to that. There's been a f quite a few stories about Pennsylvania citizens flocking across the border to go to liquor stores in other states because the governors of those states have deemed them to be an essential service, while our governor has not so deemed. Is the legislature looking at doing anything about that? Uh, the governor or the governor has been pretty adamant uh, in regard to not reopening the state stores now. It's not technically under his supervision. It's run by the Liquor Control Board, but during these emergency uh, times, uh, he's been using his emergency powers uh, pretty widely. Uh, they did do a uh, what was supposed to be a soft rollout of online orders last week. Of course, the first day that uh, they did the soft opening, the, the system crashed uh, because so many people were putting in online orders, and it's not a first-come, first-serve. Uh, it's actually a random. Uh, they're taking, I think, between 600 and 1,000 orders a day, uh, but it's done randomly uh, throughout the day so as to try to not allow it to crash. So uh, the governor has not been willing to bend 
uh, on that one. But you're right. Uh, West Virginia and Ohio and New York uh, liquor stores have gained the benefit of people going to those places. Doesn't that create a, a dangerous situation to get people out? And we're saying people to stay at home, and yet we're making something apparently a large number of people want unavailable to them, but available if they get in their car and drive across the borders? Yeah, and we certainly uh, have suggested and recommended that there's safe ways of doing it. Again, whether it's a, a curbside service, as a number of uh, restaurants and other uh, places have done uh, a curbside service where you could you know, call in or order online, and then uh, they would, in, in an orderly way, with gloves on, uh, have a curbside service, um, you know, even... As Walmart and other places are doing, you could uh, limit the store to five customers at a time and, and keep a line or something. But uh, for the weeks or almost a month now that he's had them closed, I'm sure there's a huge backup in demand, and it would be chaotic uh, the first couple of days that he did that. But um, that's that was his decision. What about car dealers? You mentioned that there is there, there's certainly some initiative to work on that. What is pending, and uh, what can pass in the near future? Well, again, that's the governor's decision uh, as to what's essential or non-essential and what he's given waivers to. Uh, and uh, car dealerships, you can go and get your car serviced, um, and I'm glad that they understand that that's... Um, a necessary function for uh, repair shops or car dealerships that their service departments uh, be open so that they can fix and repair cars for people that need it to get to work. Um, but look, there are uh, leases that uh, have expired. Uh, there are folks that have been in car accidents that uh, need a, a car uh, in order to get to work that are unable to do it. Um, uh, Somewhat of the argument was uh, trying to do things as remotely as possible, and car dealerships have stepped up and said, hey, if we get this online notary system, uh, we can do so much uh, remotely. We can bring a car to someone's house and have them try it out. We can do all the paperwork online. So we're hoping what we do with online notaries will allow the governor to rethink um, and Again, uh, we're not asking for any businesses to reopen without proper protocol and without proper distance, social distancing and things in place. We absolutely think that all businesses should be operating and functioning that way and, and certainly uh, encouraging the governor that if he allows any of these to reopen, that they be done within requirements uh, to make sure that the social distancing things are in place. Governor Wolf's been getting a certain amount of criticism, or his former business, for still operating during the pandemic, uh, apparently without a certificate granting an exemption. Are you getting a lot of complaints about the current system being unfair, and in particular areas? Yeah, and certainly the transparency of that is uh, being questioned. Uh, and whether it's legislators or, frankly, the media, uh, the media has asked, and, and legislators have asked for a list. Um, you know, give us a list of who you've granted waivers to so we can look at the list and other businesses can look at the list and make sure that it's being fair across the board and not just uh, being beneficial to certain people and not to others. And uh, to this point, as of Friday, uh, the governor and the Department of Community and Economic Development have re uh, refused uh, to be transparent and refused to release that list. Um, certainly during these times, uh, we think... Uh, government and uh, this particular program should be as transparent as uh, possible. What reason do they cite for not making the list available or just are they just stonewalling? Uh, I think the 
uh, I think their answer has been they had been so busy going through the list that they didn't have time or effort or the ability to release everything. Uh, as you may know, they closed uh, the waiver process uh, this past Friday, so they're not taking any more waivers. I believe they received over 30,000 of them uh, from across the state. Uh, it turns out that some of uh, the businesses that applied actually uh, fit within the guidelines, so didn't need waivers. Our office has been involved with helping some of those uh, type of things. Um, but uh, I don't know why they haven't. Uh, you would think through this process, and just in order to be consistent, you would think they would have a list available to the folks that are reviewing them so that they could check the list and make sure whether they're being consistent or not. Uh, what about the small business uh, loans that are coming from there? Have some of those started to go out? Uh, we know that more applications came in that were available. Give us an update on that process. So there's been a total of three uh, programs that have been available to uh, from the federal government through the uh, SBA program and then uh, one that we did uh, through uh, PETA. Uh, the, the, the one that we did, which was the second one, uh, was only $61 million that we could uh, cobble together, and uh, it was exhausted pretty quickly. Uh, so that program is now ended. I think the one that is very, very attractive uh, to uh, businesses is uh, the last one that was part of the, the federal $2 trillion CARES Act, and that's the uh, Paycheck Protection Program. So again, that was done federally, but boy, any small business uh, that is able to uh, keep folks on their payroll or bring folks back to their payroll uh, should take advantage of this. Uh, you can go to the SBA website, and they've got a, a really good fact uh, guideline sheet. Uh, the SBDC out of Bucknell uh, is running daily programs uh, every day this week beginning at 9 o'clock. Uh, I think they're doing an hour and a half program uh, that uh, explains it, but uh, businesses can basically figure out what two months of their payroll is, uh, two months of what their utilities are, two months of what their rent uh, or mortgage interest is, apply and as long as they bring people back or have people still on their payroll, that loan becomes a grant, um, mm. a grant. So it is uh, a huge lifeline for a lot of businesses, and I would encourage everyone to look into it. John, as this pandemic has rolled out, we've been doing things kind of incrementally, responding to things that, you know, as they get worse. What about the flip side? The president's talking a lot about we can't keep the country shut down forever. Is the state, particularly the legislature or the governor, if you know, uh, considering how what steps we would take to open back up again and what order they might flow in? No. Uh, you know, the House is considering, uh, they may consider, I should say, uh, a bill that would put together a, uh, a working for lack of a better word, task force. I'm not sure if that's what they called it or not, made up of uh, administrative folks and legislative folks that would be put into existence almost uh, immediately uh, to do that very thing and to uh, sort of talk about uh, what the next three, six, nine months uh, would be like. Uh, we're not sure if that's necessary or not. Um, as you've heard at the federal level and at the state level, a lot of folks think this next this week uh, that we've, we've now started may be uh, just bruising. Uh, so we'll see. Um, I'm not sure. It may have just been a one-day an anomaly, but uh, the number of uh, cases announced 
yesterday was uh, 1,500 statewide, which is actually down 100. So that may have just been a, a, a um, you know, a better day. We'll, we'll get to see in the next couple of days. But like throughout my senatorial district, and I represent 260,000 people, we have about 80 or 90 cases uh, among my four, a little over four counties. So relatively speaking, we've been fairly fortunate in, in our area. What about that testing? Uh, it still takes a week if you go to Evan Hospital in Geisinger to get your test. Uh, is the state going to step in and try to make a change there that would get those tests expedited? Yeah, so that's really at the federal level and what is going on at the uh, the federal level in regard to instant testing. Uh, it seems uh, like we're uh, days away from a broad um, distribution of tests that can be uh, get uh, the results received in 15 minutes or less. Um, I think the president and, and the vice president and people around them uh, actually took that test last week where they got the results in 15 minutes or so. Uh, and it seems like we're closer to that, but uh, that's not really anything we're overly involved with at the state level. That's uh, something that's being done nationally at the federal. Well, and your, your plate is full without taking on topics that belong to the federal government. Thank you so much yes, for the John. update. Is there anything important you wish to tell us that we didn't ask you? I uh, just want to mention uh, I've uh, probably sent out 12 or 13 e-newsletters, so hopefully the folks that... Uh, have their emails with us, uh, have been getting those. Uh, we've got a lot of great comments back that people have uh, appreciated because they've been chocked full of information and news. If for some reason uh, you never uh, gave us uh, your email, they're solely on the coronavirus. Uh, you can contact our office uh, actually through the website and uh, give us your uh, web uh, address so that uh, we can have them and you can receive those same e-newsletters. And this Friday, I'm actually going to be doing a teletown hall uh, Friday at 1 o'clock. Uh, so folks that still have landlines or you have your cell number registered with us should be getting a call Friday around 1. Uh, it's a roundtable discussion. We have a couple of folks from Geisinger. Uh, we have uh, someone from CEDACOG. And then uh, we have uh, our uh, Joanne Troutman from our local United Way answer constituent questions. Well, I know, John, how hard you worked and how effectively you worked to get the Susquehanna Valley Thruway project started. And here we are again with some other unforeseen <laughs> exigencies stopping the pro program from moving forward. <laughs> I so, told you to ask about that. <laughs> I'm not asking. I'm, I'm just commiserating with John. Uh, thank you for your hard work on that. And hopefully we'll get behind to get this virus behind us and open things up again and get the project rolling again. Yeah, uh, that's one thing that, again, uh, our state had been the outlier on. Uh, as of about a week ago, we were the only uh, state that uh, had completely shut down construction projects. Uh, the governor did reopen around 50, uh, like a bridge or road projects that were considered to be emergency ones. So there was a bit of a, uh, an opening by the governor last week. Now, I understand, I think New York and New Jersey may have uh, clamped down on construction projects. Um, but, again, a number of, of folks uh, and a number of legislators think that you can do outside construction projects and uh, put in place the social distancing and still allow those uh, important projects to continue. We did work. Uh, we have a Bloomsburg flood wall that is 95% done, and we did get the go-ahead from the governor's office to resume uh, the flood project uh, the way it is at the moment. 
if there happened to be a, a flood, it would actually do more damage uh, than if it would, was never there. Um, so uh, it was good news for Bloomsburg. Um, but we, we do think that you can do some construction projects as the uh, 47 or 48 other states have done, but just make sure you put uh, requirements in place to do the social distancing, put the hand washing, uh, other type of uh, protections in place for, for those workers. All right, we'll keep in touch. You have an open mic here anytime. It would seem inconceivable that you won't be hearing from me again <laughs> in the months ahead with another invite. But thank you for this update. Yes, thanks, John. We invite folks to sign up for the email newsletter. We'll publicize the Tele Town Hall uh, information as that comes out a little bit later on. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. Appreciate that. Uh, John Gordner, State Senator, 27th District, Republican, uh, working from his kitchen table. Although he kind of, we didn't follow up, but he sounds like he might be one of the folks in Harrisburg that's going to work in Harrisburg. Well, he said he was. Okay. So. He said there are seven or, seven or eight seven of us. Seven of us. Okay. All right. All right. I heard that. Okay. Super. All right. Open phones right now. 1 800 795 We've got a couple of emails and texts left over from Friday. We'll put those to the top of the stack. 1 800 seven nine five nine five six five when it comes to car buying there's the other guy's way and then there's the smc way the other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want the subway motors way lets you take the time you need to browse ask questions and take the test drive and think on it for over 100 years the mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have the other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade no matter how much they say they will the SMC Way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC Way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. We had uh, State Senator John Gordner on the line earlier, so we appreciate his help. Uh, this is the second time in two weeks he's been on the radio with important updates from Harrisburg. So, uh, boy, if you correspond with him in any way, thank him for that information. And uh, uh, we saw the list of elements on the agenda in Harrisburg. <laughs> it is just crazy. I mean, there's probably 86 things that have to be addressed uh, that relate to Medicare and food banks and uh, the waiver program and just everything is cooking all at the same time in Harrisburg. Uh, we want to make sure you're aware that the Sunbury Motor Company, while you cannot buy a car under any circumstances there uh, right now, you can get your existing vehicle back into perfect running order at the Quick Lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury, specializing in all types of services, inspections. They'll pump you up with nitrogen. If the car's out of line, <laughs> they'll tell it to behave, and they'll put the tires back in line, and uh, they got their same hours as they ever have, Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. to 6.00. 6 p.m. and Saturday, 6.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can still look them up on the web at sunburymotors.com. You can still build a uh, Ford, Kia, Lincoln, or Hyundai to your precise specifications. You just can't go get it yet. But uh, as you heard from uh, John Gordon, they're trying to work that out, uh, trying to get that uh, fixed in line with what is a transportation waiver uh, for trucks and other elements that relate to transportation. So uh, just stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, they still have online specials. You can still sign up for the Works Fuel Saver Package over the 
quick lane. Of course, they got the great big truck garage, too. If you're a trucker and you don't know about Sunbury Motor Company, you've been missing the boat because they got uh, they are taking super care of everybody in as many ways as they can at the Sunbury Motor Company. And if your car uh, needs a paint job and you're not going to work, well, take it over there, drop it off. They'll paint it, and uh, you can get back in business uh, with a, a good-looking new car, new-looking car, uh, your previous car repainted. And you can do that at the Sunbury Motor Company, sunburymotors.com. Mike, thanks for waiting. You are on the mark. Hey, a uh, couple of things. Uh, last week I made a comment about what I predicted would be the death toll here in Columbia County, and one of your callers uh, took issue with that. And I wanted to explain how I came about that. Basically, I used a... Well, you uh, got a minute, simple, but go ahead. Okay, sim- simple al- algebraic uh, equation. I took the number of predicted deaths over the U.S. population, uh, as the left side of the equation, and I reduced that to 1 over 3250. And then on the right side, I took X as the predicted number of uh, deaths over the population of Columbia County. Now, I adjusted the population of Columbia County lower because we have a lower population density. Uh, We're pretty much a rural county, and we have minimal public transportation, and plus we got started ahead of the curve on social distancing. So when I uh, balanced that equation, X came out to be 15, and basically I think it may be that high because of the number of nursing homes in the older population. So I think we'll come in lower than that. But that, that was just my educated uh, guess, just uh, using the numbers. And the second thing I want to say is uh, the main thing that I'm concerned about this whole event is the amount of information we are not getting from the authorities. One, specifically, the makeup of the people that are dying. Uh, it's been reported that one of the hospitals in New York that has the highest death rate most of the people are undocumented immigrants that have latent tuberculosis. Mike, you have to call. Mike, we got to, we've got a break for the news. So call back after the news and finish your thought, okay? Call back. Will do. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate the call. We'll take more comers uh, during the 9 a.m. hour. We're going to do a full newscast, as we've been doing uh, since outbreak coronavirus. So we'll have that coming up shortly. And then we'll launch into open phones. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. WKOK News Time, 9 a.m. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome on board the WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, I'm Mark Lawrence. Across from me is Joe McGranahan. If I sound a little bit muffled, I have my bandana up. This is my outdoor voice. <laughs> well, I aboard, hope the Joe. bloods don't find you today because you look like a crip. <laughs> I, look a, I did take a selfie, so we'll put that up on uh, WKOK's uh, Facebook page momentarily. There we go. We'll pull that down. We, we don't wear the masks in the building here. Who was that mask man? My lovely bride wore a scarf over her face when she was out doing all her errands and uh, hunting and pecking through the stores yesterday. So uh, that's how she resolved that. But I'm surprised to see a lot of people not wearing masks. I would think at this point, you know, you, you would just 
want to without being asked to by the governor. But uh, a lot of folks, uh, of course, they say this is just first step to communism. Well, so put, put that back on because somehow I erased the picture I took of you. Oh, okay. I'll put. <laughs> how about we'll do that during the commercial break. Okay. I want people to hear what I have to say right now, very clearly. That's all right, Mark. Go ahead. <laughs> on the mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. You can check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free lines are now open. Call us one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com and text us at 70236. If you're a Text Connect member, just reply to a previous message. If you haven't signed up for Text Connect yet, we did send out about a dozen messages last month, and we'll probably do the same this month with important updates about the COVID-19. So sign up for those at uh, wkok.com. Now the news. Pennsylvania has over 11,000 positive COVID-19 cases, including 150 deaths, and that includes some big increases in our valley. In its daily update Sunday, the State Department of Health confirmed 1,500 new positive cases for a total of 11,000 positive COVID-19 cases in Pennsylvania. Here in the Valley, Montour County is up to 37 cases. Northumberland County has 14, Snyder County has 8, and Union County has 6. Weekend recap from Sarah Lover at the Anchor Desk on Sunday. A Northumberland County children and youth caseworker has been hospitalized after testing positive for the coronavirus. Reports say a 24-year-old woman became ill last week and was taken to Geisinger Medical Center where she tested positive. Commissioner Kimberly Best said the caseworker was off the previous week and did not have any contact with families or children. However, 20 staff members are being quarantined for 14 days as a precaution. And another four weeks of special operations mode in Lewisburg as the COVID-19 outbreak continues. The borough says the special operations will continue through at least Friday, May 1st. Curbside collection of brush and limbs scheduled for the week of April 13th has been postponed. All other parts of special operations, including closures of borough offices and parks to the public, will continue. And the Union Snyder Community Action Agency says they will begin offering basic needs bags to residents, even in the counties in remote locations. The bags will include non-perishable food, diapers if needed, personal hygiene products, and cleaning supplies. Drivers will be equipped with masks and gloves, and deliveries will be left outside of homes. If you would like to request a basic needs bag, residents are instructed to call 211 or call the Action Agency directly at 570 374 0181. I'm Sarah Lover, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sunbury police say they have started to enforce Governor Tom Wolf's stay at home order and the social distancing guidelines announced last week. Sunbury Police Chief Brad Hare says officers had to break up some larger gatherings in the city, mostly young people playing sports. One party also broken up recently. He implored with residents to comply with the governor's uh, directives. There are some animal hunters in towns, but not the kind you might think of. Marissa Crames of Sealands Grove started a Facebook group called Central Pennsylvania Stuffed Animal Hunters. Last month, um, my son and I had a house fire. We lost everything, including our pets. And it was hard during quarantine because he'd look out the window and see everybody walking their dogs and he missed his puppy. And he would repeatedly say to me how he wishes his puppy was still alive so he can go for a walk. So this motivated me to get him out of the house and walking and out there being public and not just inside being an only child. He didn't have much socialization when he's not allowed out with his friends or at school. And just the, the outpouring of love and support is fabulous. 
Central Pennsylvania Stuffed Animal Hunters has thousands of members. Now you can look them up on Facebook or just enjoy a walk through most towns around here and look for the stuffed animals in the many windows. A release from the Snyder County Commissioners and the EMA is urging residents to self-report their positive case of COVID-19. That stems from the issue that the state health department and hospitals are barred because of privacy rules from releasing anything about anybody who has tested positive for the COVID-19, meaning counties aren't allowed to know where the individual's from or if everybody in a household or a business uh, had the ailment and is recovering. Uh, as a result, Snyder County asking residents who come up with a positive test to self-report to the county EMA. Why can't we know about that information? We are bound by federal law from releasing any potentially identifying information about our patients. I know that is frustrating, but the reality is the identity of the positive cases doesn't impact what we all need to be doing to help limit the spread of the virus. Evangelical Community Hospital President and CEO Kendra Auker, Evangelical Community Hospital and Geisinger have both imposed new guidelines, meaning everybody who goes to their campuses, parking lots, buildings, out facilities, urgent care, no matter what it is, uh, go to the Evangelical Community uh, buildings at the professional offices, and you must wear a mask. They'll provide those masks if you don't already have one when you arrive at Evangelical Community Hospital and at Geisinger. And the governor said that's a good idea, but it doesn't have to be a fancy and shouldn't be a surgical mask. Instead, use a cloth or a homemade mask. We have directions for making your own mask at health.pa.gov. And there are many other options across the internet on how to make your own mask or how to acquire one from a community member who is making them. And, of course, uh, Friday, President Donald Trump announced new federal guidelines recommending that Americans wear face coverings when in public. The president immediately said he had no intention of following that advice himself. I can't imagine that he ever just goes outside. I was going to say, and, near they're, they're, and they're testing everybody who comes in contact with him before right. they come in contact with him. So what would be the point? Same with the governor. If the governor's walking down the street, I suspect he would wear a mask. I suspect the president would, too. I, but that ain't going to happen. I think it's probably it's a rare opportunity for him to serve as a good example for Americans. Exactly. And of course, yeah, he's he could have declined. He could have said, "Were I to go out, I would certainly wear one." But that's not Donald well, Trump. I can think of a lot of correct <laughs> things he should say. All right, so Rob turned his mic on and said, "Yeah, this is an opportunity for him to set an example. Uh, well, to be sort of a mentor for the nation. He certainly is calm through this, so that's good. That you know, he's not excitable, and so this is a rare opportunity for him to be the calmer in." chief, but of course he declines. So, but that's his prerogative. So he's his own guy. There's no argument about that. All right, back to Mike's call. We got another caller standing by. Uh, Mike, thank you. You were just talking about the most folks in New York hospitals. What's this demographic? Okay. Uh, be- before I do that, I, I want to uh, make sure that your listeners and-, and you guys know exactly where I stand on this. Number one, I believe that the, the virus is a-, is a very real threat. And because of that, I should also tell you that because of my age and one of the pre-existing conditions that I have, it places me in one of the highest categories of not recovering from the virus how, how I were to get it, okay? So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really at risk here, okay? So it, I, I don't want people to think that I'm one of these guys say, oh, this is nothing, it's all, what, what do they say, it's fake news or whatever. No, I'm at risk, seriously. Okay, so what I've heard uh, published uh, on uh, one of the websites I go to it, by a libertarian outlet. Basically, they said that 
in the hospital, and I, and I can't remember the name of it, most of the victims are undocumented immigrants who came to the United States basically from Middle Eastern and uh, Northern African countries. They have latent tuberculosis in their system, okay? So when uh, under the conditions that they live in, uh, then you add this virus, and they get the virus, they, they get sick like people normally would, and, and it, it is a wide range of symptoms of how people respond to this, but it makes them particularly vulnerable because they have this latent tuberculosis bacteria in them, and, and they're dying at a very high rate. And we do know that ha almost half of the deaths in the United States that have been classified coronavirus deaths have occurred in that New York City region. So. Uh, what John Gordner was saying is that we need transparency. We need transparency in these business decisions and the government decisions. But most of all, we need transparency of where the problem really exists, what is contributing to the problem, and how we can fight it. And I, I don't think our government is doing a really good job of that because we're just not getting all the information out there, it's selective information. Like, I, I really should know whether the, the grocery store down the street for me has had a high population of people going in and out of there that are getting the virus. But according to the rules, we, we can't find that information out. So how are we supposed to fight this disease if, if we don't have information? You know, locking everybody up in their homes might seem like a good thing, but no one or hardly anybody is talking about all the problems with that. For instance, they're saying that fresh air and sunshine is one of the things that people need to fight depression and also fight against disease. And when people are holed up in their houses, afraid to come out and get fresh air and sunshine, that, that seems to be counter. Well, you're allowed to me. go out so, and get fresh air and sunshine and exercise, just observe social distancing. Well, but some people are right. taking drives with their family or being stopped and arrested for being outside without a good reason by police. There were several stories I saw this morning. And yet I think taking a drive just to see, you know, the outside world is not a bad thing. Do so you? this is around here. People are getting arrested. Well, I see. There's like three stories in the Patriot this morning about police departments okay. arresting people for being outside in violation of the governor's order. Gotcha. But you know, to your exactly. point, to your point, Mike, I think as Kendra Ocker, the president of Evan, correctly points out, they are limited in the number of pieces of information they can hand out. And I know our county commissioner, who's also going to talk to us in a minute, Joe Kantz, has been very upset about not being able to get the kind of information about where the patterns are, where the cases are showing up, what the background of the people was. You know, as you point out, whether they had special at-risk circumstances or whether they were getting it by community contact. We don't know, and yet they're telling us to stay in our homes and do this and do that, but not providing us with information that would help us make intelligent decisions. Thank you, Mike. Exactly. Appreciate the call. Go ahead. One more second. Go ahead. And, 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 the, and the government and the news media is very happy to show us pictures of body bags, caskets, crowded hospitals. They're, they're willing to uh, infect our minds with all that stuff, but they're not willing to tell us the truth that they do know. And, and it takes a long time for the, the truth to get out. All right. Thank you so much. You just did. We, you just disclosed the truth. Now what will we do? Uh, Joe, you're on the mark. we got one caller on the air and another one coming in. Well, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, thank you to Mike for that call. Uh, very astute, uh, realizing that we are not getting transparency from our state government when we're not getting the information on uh, these folks. And, of course, I, I heard Kendra Ocker on there as well. And you know, let me just say that Kendra and, and the folks at the hospitals here locally have been wonderful to work with. They truly do care about their communities. 
And uh, while we understand that they can't give out that information, and we surely don't expect them to, uh, the Department of Health could be much more forthcoming with a lot of the demographic information that Mike was talking about. So we've now had well over 100 deaths in Pennsylvania. Why do we not have demographic information at the very least to let us know what age age group categories those folks, folks fall into that have unfortunately passed away from this? We're getting it on the the overall general consensus of who has contracted the disease, and uh, we get those statistics. So surely we're ca- we're keeping that information, we're collecting that information at the state level. We're just not handing it out. And uh, I just wanted to talk briefly, you know, Mark and Joe about Mark. You read the story this morning. Uh, the commissioners decided that uh, you know we've been in consultation and on conference calls with multi-county commissioners in our region on a weekly basis, a couple times a week, and nobody, uh, I've talked to friends of mine that are commissioners from across the state, uh, one of them who's a good friend of mine in uh, Luzerne County, and of course Hazleton, we all know that's a hotbed right now, it's been in the news a lot, they're getting no information from the Department of Health as well, and just very frustrating, here we are as county commissioners on the front lines with our staff trying to determine where our EMA, our EMA staff needs to know a lot of this information to keep our first responders safe. And, you know, what happens is if we don't get information and folks that we've transported are, are not able to let us know, then we could essentially shut down an entire community's first response services, whether it's ambulance, fire, police, what have you, and in some cases all of the above in one fell swoop if everybody's been in contact with folks and we don't know the answers to those questions. So, again, I just want to reassure, I know somebody sniped at the story online over the weekend on Facebook, and I responded to them right away, and and I think they understood. This is not information that we want. It's information that we need to keep our first responders safe, and we're not giving out anyone's name. There is one person that will be in charge of collecting that data, it is a voluntary program, so it's not mandatory, obviously. But, um, you know, no one should feel ashamed or embarrassed about getting COVID-19. This is a, this is a disease that is, a, is not a respecter of persons. I mean, this is not something that only this group of people or that group of people are going to get. It's something that could affect any one of us. I mean, any one of the three of us on the phone right now, Mark, Joe, and, and myself, Oh, no, I have a mask Any one on. of us could contract that. <laughs> well, Joe, here's the, here's the thing. The, there was a big story about the unfortunate young lady, 24 years old, employed by Northumberland County Children and Youth, who got the disease and apparently was it's a quite, virus. Virus. Well, quite ill with it. Still a disease. Quite ill with it. And But they did disclose that she had not been at work, that where she worked, and uh, how, how she wound up in the hospital. I don't see why they can't do that for every case. So we know where the person worked, what their, what their exposure risk was and what was done about it after the fact. We don't know whether they're following up of these cases or not. Well, and, and that's been my gripe all along, Joe. I mean, I know that's the responsibility of the Department of Health, but when you get up to 11,000 positive cases, how on earth can you possibly keep up in backtracking the steps of all of the individuals who have tested positive? Yeah. I just think that it's impossible, and it's something that we can help to do at the local level, and we understand you know, the importance of people's health uh, data. We, we understand that. We, we deal with those sensitive types of things every day at the county, you know, when, whether it's children and youth or domestic relations or what have you. All of those things, many of them are very sensitive, 
and we're not able to disclose them, and I understand that, but we're also the government, whether and we're the boots-on-the-ground government, so we've got to get these things done, and it's hard to... Let's face it; it's hard to plan out a, a plan of attack when you don't have all the facts. Well, the state releases so, the, the state releases restaurant inspections so we can make informed decisions about whether or not we're going to eat at a given place. But yet they don't tell us something really important like this. Yeah, but what? Why? Why wouldn't your emergency responders treat everybody as though they have it all the time? Because you have a two-week incubation period. So why would you say, okay, well, there's a outbreak on Sixth uh, Avenue in Sealands Grove, but here I am in Port Traverton. So I don't have to so, be careful. A good answer to that question, Mark, is is this, and this is something that we've all heard about in the news. Our resources, state, federal, local, are limited. So if we don't have to use a mask and if we know it's a safe call, we don't want to burn those burn through them. We don't want to waste those masks and those PPEs because they may we only may have a very small supply of them for that day's allowance. And so if we you know, if we don't have to use them, it may mean the difference in saving somebody at the next call where we know we have to use them. So you have various levels of uh, protection that you're utilizing now, depending upon your suspicions as to whether somebody might be carrying the virus, but so, so far asymptomatic. I mean, I, I completely agree that we want, we should be in this day and age, we should be at a point right now in this circumstance where every call is considered a dangerous call, whether it is or not. But because of the unfortunate situation that many counties find themselves in, many states find themselves in, where they may not have an adequate supply, they may be limited in the resources that that they have. And, you know, let's face it, I mean, one mask for a whole day may not cut it when you're out seeing five or six different people on ambulance calls that day. All right, we got you. Thank you so much, Joe. Really stay in touch on this. I have a feeling that uh, you and uh, Joe and other folks that want uh, some uh, softening of these issues, I think you're up against an immovable object, unfortunately. But do keep in touch, and you just never know. John Gordner's aware of this issue, so it's uh, simply a matter of... uh, uh, you know, seeing what can be done legislatively and uh, push pushing the governor's office in that direction. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, and, Joe. Take and Mark, you. let me let no. me just say real quickly. This is again, it's a voluntary program. If if you have, here's the thing. If you especially if you've been transported by first responders, please consider giving this information to our emergency management director, and knowing that is going to be held in the strictest confidence, so much so that we're not even making an electronic database of this. Nobody can hack it. Nobody can steal it. It will be kept completely confidential, non-electronically, so that no one can get that information. It is strictly used to help us make sure that our first responders have not been in the situation. And if we have to notify them, no one's name will be revealed to them. It is truly just to protect our first responders to protect our communities. All right, we got you. Thank you so much. Keep in touch. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate you calling. All right, quickie break. we got a caller standing by, but we'll take more comers. I have posted the picture of me and my bandana on uh, WKOK's Facebook page, so check it out. Uh, and call the On the Mark show right now, 1-800-795-9565. That's 1-800-795-9565. Please call us right now. 
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. I should read that on the radio someday. All right, 1 800 795 is our telephone number. I've temporarily put the mask away so that I don't sound muffled. But uh, uh, we invite you to call us now. What do you think about wearing a mask in public? And what do you think about this notification issue? Remember, if you test positive for the COVID virus, the state says that your number is added to the number of positive cases, and the local hospital can uh, choose to uh, release that as part of maybe some of their summaries. But absolutely nothing about you. If you live on Main Street or you work at a fine local restaurant or you happen to be uh, my neighbor, absolutely nothing gets disclosed. And so emergency responders can't apply plan accordingly. But to that end, uh, one of our listeners who's a nurse says uh, you should just consider everybody positive until they're tested negative. They should be wearing their PPEs no matter what. That means gloves and masks and even safety glasses. One mask for one day is okay. Uh, the protective gear needs to be picked up and needs to have the mask applied. You can have a cloth mask uh, and uh, iron it. Uh, well, you can, uh, one you can of our, make your own mask. One of, of our emailers writes, I do not agree with the commissioner in giving up the name of the people. Oh, he didn't in, ask for names. Yeah, uh, No, he didn't. Infected by coronavirus, he did not specifically did not ask for names. The first responder should always gear up anyway. First of all, the person will have a mark on them for the rest of their lives. I'm sorry, but that is the way people are. Another important point I think should be considered is who is to know who is infected at every moment. Diagnosis only occurs after this virus sits in a person's body for about two weeks. And another important point, some people are asymptomatic and show no signs of the illness. So the gist of my spiel is be prepared. Gear up in the face of who knows and protect the privacy of other people if you are a first responder. You are protected, if not lazy, and protected just in case. Oh, yeah, and there's lots of reports of COVID shaming popping up where somebody well, had that, it. Well, that's terrible. Recovered and can't get uh, the it same will, respect or but uh, position back. Why? If I have a cold, people don't treat me right. like no, dirt after I recover. They give you a, 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 an office closer to the door. You so know, people so. are saying they're not going to not speaking to people who have had the coronavirus and recovered from. No, they're being shamed. Well, you just well that's online. that Different is stories that's that. absolutely pathetic. All right, and they'll carry a torch to your house and burn it down if they know you're in there. <laughs> that's that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> okay. I made that last one up, but uh, you know it's it's the same thing if you know that there's a particular house where there's two into like in Montour County. There was one family that tested positive uh, for the virus, and, of course, they're all treated. They're all going to be fine, apparently. But if, if word got out, 
Uh, what would the neighbors do? Would they shame them? Or w- if a first responder was going to go, would he say, no, I don't want to go there? Or I what? would hope not. I would right. hope people would be re- realize, even as one of our, and this is probably relevant because I saw this, one of our emailers sent this in, and I saw this interview. He said, I recently watched a video from a doctor on the front line in New York City who talked about this virus and explained how it works and is transmitted. It was, in my opinion, the best and most calming explanation I've heard yet. He said that while he was a bit fearful at first, he no longer is because he understands it. As far as masks, he said that the risk of picking up the virus from airborne particles is very low. He recommends wearing a mask just so we train ourselves not to touch our face, because that's how you get this virus 95% of the time. I will send you a link to this video. Please watch. It's very informative. Actually, I did see that interview, and I agree. He was very calming and very reassuring, and I thought provided some excellent information. What do you think of the cough shields that are popping up? uh, Giant did it last week. Wise's is doing it now. Uh, Wise, I think, was ahead of everybody on that. Uh, I was in their store last week, and they had them up. No, I think it's a good idea. But what it reminds me of is the sneeze guard at a buffet. (laughs) You know, it's still possible to (laughs) get around it. All right, 1-800-795-9565. Bobby, thanks for waiting. You are on the mark. Yes, um, um, I say good morning, everyone. Uh, One of the problems... Uh, that um, that I you know through all this uh, is I don't know like like I said before you know a, a couple days ago or whatever being on the same page especially with the dissemination of information you know t- um, that the media is doing you know as well as first responders as well as Senator Gordner and I mean you know as well as um, those officials that are those public officials so somewhere along the line there ought to be a a, a standard right yep excellent point maybe the maybe john gordner will take that up all right thank you bobby yep good point and, and i'm sure the senator's uh, too busy to listen but we'll tell him that you suggested that thank you thank you uh stan thanks for not texting thanks for calling in you're on the mark good morning uh as far as people being shamed because they've caught this disease, this virus, I think that's a bunch of, well, you won't let me say it, so a bunch of bull, Baloney. but you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because frankly, if you want to turn it around on people, maybe they should be ashamed for not catching it, because the people that have caught it and survived will be immune, and then they won't spread it to others, but the other ones that haven't caught it, who knows when in the future they may catch it, so then what, are they going to be shamed too? There's no reason to be shameful of catching it. I agree. No, I think it's just the way people are. And I, I think, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like telling people they should not be prejudiced against uh, somebody who's in a minority group. Okay, well, that's sound advice, but guess what they say to that? Baloney. I don't want to be near, yeah. go near, shop near, f- be at, to visit, go toward, or have anything to do with anybody that had, well, let's face had it, the disease. Well, let's face it, this kind of a situation, Stan, brings out either the best or the worst in people. Oh, I've seen I fully s- see that. I've you know, all, all you got to do is watch one of Trump's... Uh, uh, press conferences, and you could see the worst coming from the mainstream media. Well, even, it's awesome. Even some of my friends that. friends on the left, I mean, the posts, they just, they're just horrible. The president's the worst president ever. Move over, James Buchanan. Uh, you know, uh-huh. he hasn't done anything. And then other people are praising him to the sky. Even uh, the Democratic governors are coming out and saying he's done a great job. I mean, Pritzker doesn't like him in it Illinois. Helps him to get more stuff. But, uh, you know, the, go- the governor of California said that every time he's called the president, the president has come on the phone very quickly 
monthly and has been very helpful and, and helped in any way he could. You know, and right. but some of these people on the left just can't put their hatred for this guy aside <laughs> long enough to recognize the fact that this is uncharted territory and he's doing a good job. Stan, did you happen to watch Meet the Press over the weekend? <laughs> Uh, oh my no, gosh. I wouldn't no, waste my time watching well, them because I, I tend to, I I, tend to understand when they put anything on the air, what's going to come out of their mouth. So I try not to watch. Well, we it. have it, it on WK. We have it on WKOK at noon. So I listened yesterday, and it starts out as it's like, uh, what? How pathetic could the president be? How unprepared could we have possibly been? What could have wrong? And we were warned in January, and last year we did a desktop exercise, and every negative outcome that they said would happen, what is happening, and we did nothing. We're going to launch uh-huh. into it. You know, like that's well, the introduction. And, and, and there was an even there was an even better one. If you see Waters World, uh, which is on Fox, but he took all the things people were saying and what they're saying now, and one of them exactly. was Joe Scarborough saying the president has done nothing. Everybody saw this coming in January. He should have done more. And then they went back and they picked his January guest, who said, "Well, this isn't probably going to." be very much. We shouldn't really worry about that. And uh-huh. Waters' comment was, well, if everybody saw it coming in January, how did Scarborough manage to find the one guy who didn't see it coming? And his whole thing was like that, talking about how people were going one way then to blast the president another way now. I did see that. that was, yeah, that was, that was pretty informative because he has the dates. I mean, it's all on, it's all on film. You know, and then you got, you got the fine uh, mayor of uh, New York saying, come to New York. Enjoy Chinatown in, in the middle, I think that was the middle of February or even into early March. Or Pelosi, come to Chinatown, enjoy San Francisco. We're well we're open for business and, and that was in I think the end of February. And and then Mardi Gras. You know, yeah. the, the mayor of New Orleans, she didn't shut down. She blames Trump for not telling her to shut it down. Well, if, if Trump had told her to shut it down, what kind of response do you think he would have got from her then? That would have been awful. Oh, he's, exactly. He's another and, dictator. And I, just, I, I don't understand what these people were thinking. Now, I seen yesterday on this thing, CNN, the reporter, I don't know who it was. It wasn't uh, Acosta. It was somebody else for CNN. Got up there and asked Trump why he's trying to practice medicine without a license. He's he's not a, a licensed doctor. He's not even a doctor. You know, spread, uh, spreading this hope, you know, that we should use it as a chloroquine or, you know, the, the hydrogen, the, the malaria drug. Yeah, cosachloroquine. Yeah. Yeah, okay, you know, why Why are you touting that when, you know, why aren't we running the tests? And Trump said, what do you want to do? You want to wait 6, 12, 18 months for a trials to come through to prove that it's going to work, but with anecdotal evidence that it is working? So you just want to keep these people dying without using it? You know, if it works, that's awesome. If it doesn't work, well, we tried. And what have we lost? But that we didn't was lose point. anything. Right, right. right. So you know, I don't understand these people. It's the same thing every time. And, and of course, he got his fake new CNN dig at the end. It was awesome. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm willing to cut the president a lot of slack, and the governor, too. I mean, I think everybody in this case is trying to do the best they can. The governors, are the governors asking for more than they need? They probably are. But can you blame them? They want to pres- Their job is to preserve the lives of their citizens, so they're going to ask for everything they can get their hands on. But the I president, The that. president's in, my, in a tough question, spot. To know is the governors are the first line of defense. Their health, the state's health departments are the first line of defense. Where was their stockpile of emergency equipment? Well, some unless- states had it. A lot of states didn't. So then they go crying to the federal government. The federal government should be the last line of defense. 
I, I'd be interested to hear uh, during the economic boom that we just end just ended when this virus started. Former President Obama was saying, "Well, this all started in my administration." I wonder if he's going to take responsibility for this and say, "I should have prepared better in my administration." <laughs> well, and there is. I did see something on Facebook. It was a fact check by USA Today, not the most Trump-friendly newspaper in the world. Some because I forget who one of the websites, uh, Daily Call or somebody, put out that. In 08, no, 09 and stuff, when the H1N1 flu virus came through that, and, and some other emergencies, they depleted a large amount of the stockpile of the medical equipment, the masks, the, 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 the gowns, you know, and, and the face shields and all that, and they were never refilled. Yeah. And, and they basically said that's true. It wasn't, but it wasn't just there. You know, I, I guess you could blame Trump for part of this for the two years or two and a half years before this that he didn't push for this to go on. But, you know, that comes down to the, you know, CDC, which who's in charge of CDC? Well, and they you know, also. Fauci, Fauci and those doctors have been in there for decades. Well, they also point out, I've seen this meme so many times, President Trump fired the entire uh, ta- uh, pandemic, pandemic task force. Task force. Remember another this, lie. keep repeating it. <laughs> another lie, didn't fire him. The guy quit. He just didn't replace them, you know, so. Well, well, they also took that department or whatever they committee or whatever they it was in, in the NSC and rolled it all into three, three of them together to one big pandemic pandemic biohazard bio whatever bio threat defense uh, group yeah. so and and from what i read they fired nobody maybe the head guy got lost his job or quit whatever but the rest of the people were still there they okay. just got rolled into one group instead of three different groups oh well so, people do what they do all yeah, right. but as far as far as shaming, don't be ashamed. Maybe everybody should, that doesn't get it should be ashamed because they're not immune to it now. <laughs> Good Just point. They don't have that advantage. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stan. Keep in touch. I might have to make an appointment with you coming up in the weeks ahead. I'm so. here. All right. I'm Thank here. you so much, uh, Stan, <laughs> yep, our right. good caller, uh, FFL. Uh, operator, too. So we appreciate that. All right, we'll take a quickie break. Uh, we see four open lines, a couple of emails pending, but we'll need some more participation here. 1 800 795 9565. Should any of the information be released from the state health department about people who have the positive disease? How am I going to take the torch to their house if I don't know where they live? <laughs> so fess up. Uh, tell us that. Uh, or is it uh, important that we protect our first responders? A lot of folks have said, well, they should be fully geared up anyway all the time. Uh, what's your view on that? Do you think the outdoor face mask? Are you going to wear a face mask when you go outdoor? I know Joe has one. I got one, so we're good to go. And uh, But we'd love to hear from you. 1-800-795-9565. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back. WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Uh, Than, you're on the mark. Thank you for waiting. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning. Uh, hi, Joe. Hi, Than. Hi, Mark. Greetings. Uh, what I was thinking about, a couple of things, is one, uh, I n- can't believe that you guys are putting so much uh, politics into such a serious situation. I know that it goes on at all levels, but come on. It shouldn't be politics. Listen to the local people, uh, John Gordner and Joe Ants and the other people here. They're calm, and they are not playing politics. So I don't think it should be blamed on Obama or Trump or anybody else. I think what we ought to do is work at stopping it. Now, the problem with that is because, like so many countries in the world, our president, instead of looking at the science of the pandemic, said, oh, I know what I'll do, as I always have done. I'll talk myself out of this situation. So far, that hasn't worked so well. Aren't you now just putting politics into this, as you said we shouldn't put in? I think you just put some in there, Than. Well, uh, I am putting I am putting the one politics that I think we ought to remember. We need to be prepared for these things. And if you go to war, they don't say, "Well, listen, Kansas wasn't very well equipped for war, so we're going to let them go. We're going to move our help over to New York, who are all equipped." Uh, that makes no sense. It is the United States of America who should be working on this, not the individual states. And that is what you do if you go to war. Does one size fit all, Than? Does New uh, York have no, the same problems no, as Nevada? What's that? Go New ahead. York doesn't have the same problems of Wyoming or Nevada. I think the governors of those states, they're elected to preserve and protect the peace and, their, and safety of their citizens, and I think they know better than the federal government what they need, and I agree with the president. The federal government is a backup. They should provide all the resources they can when they're needed, but they have to make the tough decisions about what's needed, where, and when. I don't blame the governors for asking for the moon. I mean, I would, too, if I were the governor. I'd be demanding everything I could get my hands on for my citizens. But some Somebody has to stand at the intersection and say, wait a minute, you're asking for more than you need, and right now we can't give it to you. That's well, how I think well, the president is doing. You just said something that's very honest there that contradicts our president. Our president says every day at his uh, whatever it is, talk show or whatever it is in the afternoon. Where <laughs> There's that politics again. His there's that politics his again. sanctioned rally. There's that I, politics I, I again. I said there's one person in my estimation who should have been on top of it, calls himself a wartime president, and it says it's up to the states. Doesn't even understand what he's talking about, and will not wear a mask because I, I suspect it probably would get all kinds of uh, orange 
by what comes There's that politics. Boy, for somebody who's not going to bring politics into this, you're doing a heck of a good job. The tanning material or rubble. And it's the man who wasn't ready. All right. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. And the other thing, one more thing, and I'll get off your neck here. (laughs) And that is, just because he says something is there does not mean that it is. There are facts, and then there are what he says. And what he says, oftentimes, a long way from a fact. I have all the masks you'd ever need, and they're right here, and they're going to be here today. But he won't wear and that one. happens day after day after day, and for some reason, you believe it. Boy, I, I am so glad you aren't going to bring politics into this thing. Hey, you have a great <laughs> I day, said buddy. I attack only one person. <laughs> I listen to all and the is people. That political? I don't agree with Joe Kant very often. I don't agree with John Gordoner very often. But listen to how adult they are sounding. They're taking the responsibility for this or their constituency. All right, thank that you so much. That's something that Trump is not. I doing disagree. Us. I disagree. But thank you for calling. Thank you so much. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. You're going to need it tomorrow. All the lines are lit, and we have a little time left. So stand by, men. We'll be right back. There's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back. You're listening to On the Mark. This is WKOK Radio Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Two two callers on the line. Each of them will get maybe a minute and a half, two minutes tops. Dale, you're first. Go ahead, buddy. Uh, I just want to know, you know, state and local governments, uh, local governments depend upon uh, the welfare system of the states. The states depend upon the welfare systems of the federal government. Well, these loans now, I, I see hyperinflation coming very fast. So when the mar- when everything starts back up, bread and milk will be skyrocketed. And like I told you before, um, came true about the bread and the cheese lines. It looked like it's happening now. And I just want to say that <clears throat> these loans <clears throat> that the Fed's given out here, it's not a government-issued loan that the Fed's given. It's a corporate. The corporations are all asking the Fed to lend them money. So they're all going to get this money back, and the only way it's going to happen is hyperinflation and another thing is serious questions can't be asked to uh, the press because they're not asking the question of the false positives that that these hospitals the test kits that they have they're not allowed to ask that question no more to the white house and they're not allowed to ask if it's a manufactured bioengineered virus they're not allowed to ask those two questions so i gotta think to myself okay what's going on here i mean why can't we ask those two questions 
I mean, is it? It's. I mean, I don't believe in conspiracies. I mean, conspiracies made up by the CIA. But why are we allowed to ask those questions? So we're still in that world of cheese, right? Well, don't you see people lining up right now, standing for cheese and bread? It's going on everywhere, Joe. Cheese and bread really. in the cities to get hey, into Costco. Joe, there's Joe, a line. Joe. Okay. Because of distancing. Off. We're in a serious situation here. I mean, not because there's not enough cheese, but because of social distancing in the store. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just want to know why can't we ask those questions if it's a manufactured bioengineered virus or the false positive that all these hospitals have the kit. They, they, they can't get the actual. All the if somebody has the flu, it's all all of a sudden it's the coronavirus. I haven't heard. Have I haven't heard of anybody doing a story about false positives. I've heard stories well, about people being tested. March, March 20th, it was asked, because uh, I looked it up, it was asked in March 20th, the press conference, and they said, yeah, we're going to get those, those the accurate ones out to the hospitals, but we ain't heard of, we ain't heard nothing about it since. So, I mean, just I just wanted people, you know, we got people who oh, are leading this government go. that are liars. Thank you so people. much, Dale. Okay. Appreciate Thanks, the call. Uh, Chris, last caller of the day. Thank you so much for calling in. You're on the mark. Boy, I just love this. Uh, you're doing a heck of a job, Trumpy Chorus. Uh, he's done a very pathetic job. <laughs> uh, but, you know, nobody's going to get it all right especially in a new case like this. But what you do do is you use your time early to get prepared and get everything together that you need to get it together. Once you declare the national emergency, the federal government is then in charge, and you appoint a general who's good at logistics to get everything together and figure out who has what supplies where and who can be made to to get the supplies there and who has the supplies and who can make the supplies and put it all together and get it organized and get the show on the road. You don't funnel everything through the White House. You don't change leaders of who's in charge from FEMA to the vice president to somebody else after that and somebody else after that and then bring in your son-in-law to say things that aren't true. the things he's doing wrong now is the the, the emergency supply, the federal emergency supply, is definitely was it was on the on the page description. It was for the states. It's not for the federal government separately than the states, and they should be getting those out to the states. And he should be using that act that gives them the power over companies now, so that when they do get stuff. You don't put it in the private system and let 50 states bid on it. You buy it at one price that you can determine is fair, and you don't raise prices from mass from $0.06 to $6. And under what authority authority does the president have to control prices? I mean, you're asking, if he was doing all this stuff... Use the emergency powers he has... To get the equipment where it is, and you'd be calling him a criminal. You'd be goes. calling him a war criminal if he did. <laughs> thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Joe, 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 Joe. <laughs> We're gonna have to take this up tomorrow. All right. Thank you so much, Chris, for participating in the show. Call in first thing tomorrow, and we'll resolve this once and for all. <laughs> You're listening to WKOK Sunbury.